It's Barely in Topic, a podcast for Boston Bruins fans by Boston Bruins fans. Welcome to Barely in Topic. It's episode 315. I know what I'm talking about. And I am here with Tim and Nick. Oh, hey. Hello. <laughs> yeah, Nick's in this week. Uh, Jeff is off away in Vancouver, and we're not allowed to say anything bad or mean about Jeff, which means we're just not going to talk about Jeff at all. <laughs> like Mama said, can't say anything nice. Don't say anything at all. No, no, I mean... You know, I'm like... sure he's having a rocking good time. <laughs> <laughs> I could do <laughs> is picture him being in Vancouver <laughs> at a table full of rocks. <laughs> I, I have like picture. I, I, I have like a weird image going on in my head. Yeah, like right when I heard "Rocking Good Time," I'm like, I just now picture Jeff with like a 1980s hair metal like mullet kind of thing going on, and he is just like jamming out to some Slayer, busting some rocks in Vancouver. The rocks are the drum set. Yeah. And the the, the pickaxe are his drumsticks. <laughs> yeah. Well, his hammers. He's got a lot of hammers. Yeah, he's got yeah, a lot of hammers. hammers. Right. <laughs> I was going to ask if he was using the hammers or if he was just car- karate chopping. Cowboys <laughs> 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 <Bad> from hell. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> this is going swimmingly. <laughs> They're all nice things, if you ask me. I don't think that we've said anything negative or bad at all. I mean, (laughs) you know, he is the rock doctor, so he could have a stethoscope. (laughs) (laughs) Checking the rocks to see if they're okay. (laughs) Oh, God. He is going to... How else are we going to get that vital information? (laughs) <laughs> he, he is going to kill me. <laughs> These rocks are dead. There's no pulse. Jim, I'm a rock doctor, not a metal engineer. I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> tagline into this podcast i'm only a, i'm only a rock doctor i'm not a miracle worker here jim i'm a country rock doctor i'm not an escalator <laughs> dr mccoy actually said that i'm not an escalator in one episode. <laughs> oh god okay so <laughs> Jeff will be pissed off, so it'll be great. Mission <laughs> <It's> accomplished. <laughs> Another lost episode that he'll not be able to listen to. I didn't say anything mean. I wasn't being bad. If anything, it makes us look foolish. There you go. We'll put the blame on ourselves. We're we're acting silly. <laughs> what the fuck is a metal engineer? <laughs> right. <laughs> um. So anyway. 
<laughs> All the giggles. It's it's Nick's fault. I'm giggly. That's what it is. Yeah. Look, at least he wasn't saddled down with a big bucket that had been used with uh, for Kentucky. Kentucky. Kentucky fried fucking. Bahama Mamas with Bob Kelso. (laughs) (laughs) See, we didn't do that to him. You guys did that to me. (laughs) Okay, so Jeff's away is is basically the main point. (laughs) We just spent five minutes on that. Okay, so we're here to talk about the Bruins. Woohoo! They're really good. Yes, I... Now, I said this before, I'll say it again. Felger, Michael Felger, actually on Friday said that the Bruins were the best story in Boston sports right now. And then Maz had to say, not the biggest. And it's like, who cares about the fucking thumb? (sighs) We're not talking about Tom Brady's thumb here. We're talking about Bruins hockey. And, um, you know, they had another win last night. Yes, they did. Habs week is done. We are done with that Habs week, which we fretted over in the uh, preseason, uh, last last podcast season, but in the preseason, uh, or uh, actually before the preseason. I think it was the summer. Wow. This was like a, a lot of um, angst that we had for a long time, and it's done. And I'm pleased because I said I would only be happy with the season against the Habs if they won the season series. And look at that. They won the season series. I don't even think they should play the fourth game. Who gives a fuck about that? Yeah. Just put it down as a tie. It's okay. Yeah, because ties are totally a thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Also, something awesome with the Bruins going on, I read and then looked at the standings and was able to confirm they have the least amount of regulation losses in the league. With 10. Nice. So that's pretty uh that's pretty impressive. Uh there are a few teams that have eleven, but yep, the Bruins have the least amount at ten, so that's pretty impressive there. Wow. And they, they've had how many games is it now with a, a like is it sixteen or seventeen consecutive 16. games? Yep. With uh with at least one point. So no regulation losses. And that amount of time. Oh boy. It is. What a time to be alive. Did you, Seriously. Did, I, I don't think I expected it to be like this, but holy mackerel. It's been crazy. I and we, tell you. <laughs> last time Bruins lost was back in December against Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> I remember those days. I was a younger man then. Yeah, they even had a point against the Capitals. Yeah. You know, it's like some people are still like, oh, they still lost. Doesn't matter. That's progress. Oh, hell, I'm just happy when we get more than one goal against the Capitals. Yeah, we, we're cracking that whole B code slowly but surely. Yeah, so it's amazing. The, the Bruins are flying under the radar. They're the best story in Boston sports. Michael Felger said it on Friday. We got a whole bunch of chest thumpers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you're a woman, it hurts a little bit. Yeah, I, um, I got I got fur to protect me. 
<laughs> Everything's great and spectacular and wonderful. Yeah. Okay, that's our show. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Also, oh. since since November sixteenth, the Bruins only have three losses in regulation. Damn. See, I think we should be talking more about that. I mean, of course, this run is great, but when you consider that the Bruins started off really bad. Well, they were very injured. But regardless, they were bad. I mean, now now they're not bad. Okay, they started off poorly, and the caveat is they had critical injuries, or injuries to critical personnel. (laughs) Okay? Because just having, like, three kids on a line is um, scary. When you're sitting there and you're like, oh my god, Ryan Spooner, who I've never considered to be really critical, is out and it's it's hard for him to get back on the ice and he's got that tear and blah blah blah, the adductor tear, and it's, it, all this stuff is happening and you're just like, please come back, you know? That's, uh, that's saying something about the state of your team and its injuries. And yeah, it's incredible since that November 16 mark too. Like they played the King, they were in LA at the Kings that game and they won two to one. And since that game, they are 21, three and four. Wow. Jeez. Which is an impressive, really two month stretch here that they've had. Very impressive. I'm sorry. Vegas has decided that she needs to be pet right now. So, ah. and they're only three points back of um, Tampa Bay now. I think that's the huge story right there. And they have the same amount of games played, so no games in hand, and they're only three points behind. That's that's an, that's huge. And the one, I think they've only played against each other once this season, and the Bruins won that one. Mm-hmm. Yes. So this is, like, scary awesome. You know what I mean? Where it's like, this Bruins team is just unbelievable. And, okay, I think there's a new cause for the Bruins to go win the cup this season. Renee Rancourt, longtime yes. Bruins. Oh, going to retire. Yeah, he's going to retire at the end of the season. So I started up a hashtag the other day, uh, win the cup for Renee. You know, so basically I hope that they have that rallying cry and call and they make Renee sing well into May and June. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And right now, too, kind of looking at the different in terms of the Bruins and Tampa Bay. The Tampa Bay only has the has a better goal differential plus forty three, but the Bruins are not too far behind at plus thirty eight. And as much as people were talking about how good um their goalie's been, I can't pronounce his last name. It's Vasilevsky. Vasilevsky. As good as he's been, the Bruins have actually had less goals against than Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay's given up one hundred and twenty one goals, and the Bruins have only given up one hundred and twelve. Now, they've scored 14 more goals, so that's kind of the difference there. But, I mean, that's by... And I believe the Bruins have given up the least amount of goals, and they have tied with, of course, Los Angeles, giving up 112. So, for all the uh, hate on Rask and stuff like that that's, that happened early on, they're they're not letting those goals in. Well, you know, um, another interesting thing about, about the Tampa Bay situation is that uh, Victor Hedman's out for probably another four to five weeks that was just yeah that was just announced last week he's got some kind of injury that's causing him to be out obviously so that's going to be problematic for them i think yeah he's a big part of their team yep and i just think that tampa bay started out so hot that they're just 
kind of slowing down a little bit. It's just the way it's going to be. You know, it's kind of like you go up, you project up high, and then you've got to start coming down a little bit. They're catchable. Mm-hmm. Um, I, especially um, the the last ten played, they're about five hundred. So they're uh, they're slipping. They're already slipping a bit. And it's funny too. We went over our um, predictions, our bold predictions, and all that um, mid season last week. And I had said that they were going to have one hundred and one points. I saw somewhere yesterday after last night's game, if they play five hundred the rest of the way, just five hundred then they'll have 99 points. Wow. So my 101-point prediction is not going to be that far off. No, it's like, uh, if anything, it's it's under. So Yeah. <clears throat> so, and I, I'm just, I'm really, I'm really happy with what they've done. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty incredible, the stretch they've had. And through all the stuff, Tuca is now uh, third in goals against. At 2.17, only people ahead of him are Carter Hutton and Marc-Andre Fleury. And And neither of them have played that many games. No. And then in terms of save percentage, I believe he's in the top 10. He's not in the top 5, but I believe he is in the top 10 there with the save percentage as well. It's kind of loading up on my screen as we speak. And yeah, he's... uh, He's actually not, actually. He's, he's 14th with a 9-2-1 save percentage, but there are a lot of guys. It looks like there are four or five guys that have a 9-2-4, so it's a, there's a lot up top there. So he's he's really coming into his own um, on the season. Well, you know, I think what's really remarkable about, about what the Bruins have been doing, uh, one, they, they got through the injury issues, and there will be more injuries and whatnot that's just how things run but let's look at it this way one third of their defense are oh actually more than yeah one third of their defense right now are rookies or yeah. is rookies okay so grizz and um and mcavoy are true rookies but half of your defense is like first and second years yeah that's pretty remarkable it is and McAvoy is has really impressed a lot. He's played so well. Um, he does have his little gaffes. He had a gaff. He he kind of led to that um, first goal yesterday or last night, um, where he kind of got his uh, pocket pick there and led to the first goal. But he's overall been really good, especially for being so young and uh, just really from the get go when the playoffs last year and now. It's kind of carried over this year how well he's playing. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that's really great. And then if you think about the lines, okay? Let's see. Well, basically, DeBrusque and Heinen are the two first years, we'll say, because Heinen still fits into that because he didn't he hasn't played a full 82 games. So, so you, you know, you don't have as many in your forward group, but you have a lot of youth in that forward group. A lot of people who are still in their second year. Um, this is what we've been talking about, the rebuild on the fly. So it's pretty remarkable. All of this is just amazing. Yeah, and talking about youth, going back to last night too, Pasta had an incredible game, and he's really had a great year. And that contract, I think that they signed him to, um, the extension is going to continue to look better and better uh, for the Bruins just with how well he's been playing because he's – Getting him signed to that deal was really important, and they really didn't overpay for him at no, all. No, if anything, they might have 
slightly underpaid. We'll see. But, you know, hey, I'm I'm not unhappy about the deal. I'm not going to complain about it. I, I don't really have much to complain about at all. Uh, now, what's really interesting is, and this is something that Jeff did bring up this week, is Matt Coleman brought it up this week. There could be three 30-goal scorers on that, that top line. Because mm-hmm. I think all three of them right now are tied at 20. And if it, uh, it's 2020-19. Uh, yeah, it's 2020-19. Patrice has 19. No, I, I'm pretty sure that Patrice has 20. Yeah, but I'm looking at it right would, now. He would have had 20. They got but, taken away last yeah. night. Oh, damn it. Really? Mm-hmm. I thought he scored another one after that. I guess I was imagining things. But anyway. Uh, okay. Well, 2020-19. That's still not bad. That's still no. closer to 30 than not. So, uh, so Jeff, of course, brought it up because he's a, a year late on this prediction. <laughs> like, he predicted it a little bit early. <laughs> well, it's funny, too. Last year, my real bold prediction was they would have six people with 60 points. And they're going to get close to that. They could get close to that this year <laughs> as well. So, oh, man, I mean... I- so you guys are really good at predicting things a year off. Congratulations. Yeah, correct. <laughs> and that that line with um, Marshy, Pasta, and Bergeron is oh, it's it's so good. It's got to be the best line in hockey, right? Yeah, I would agree. Uh, maybe the the Kucherov, why did this, uh, Stamkos line is the only thing that would come close or is comparable. But I bet you it's like the cheapest top line. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that's performing that well. I, let's let's say it that way, uh, because I'm sure there are other cheaper top lines that are crap. <laughs> would, oh yeah, I would say I, points per dollar leading the pack. No, no doubt. Absolutely, ab, absolutely, and um, uh, it's, it's just fun to watch. And I I said it last night. I, I'm calling it the BPM line because it gets those beats per minute and the heart rate go up. They they go up. Actually, you know, I was just thinking that I would call it the BPM line myself because, you know, it, yeah, Bergeron, Pasternak, and, and Martian. I like mnemonic kind of things, things that make sense like that. But anyway, BPM, I was thinking about it because, um, not because of necessarily the heart rate thing, although that is a really good point, gets that heart rate going. But I was thinking about it <laughs> as in like, um, like exciting music has lots of beats per minute. Hey. Yeah, so it's like it could be it, BPM. I absolutely agree with it. You know, I was kind of hoping that the Bjork thing would work out because a hundred percent, a hundred and ten percent line was like really great, but yeah. alas, it was not meant to be. So no, I like BPM. We can. I don't even think we have to put that to to vote. It makes sense. It does. If I had a gavel, I would say next past. And why don't you have a gavel? I have a box cutter. Where's your stick? Your Taves curve. Oh, it's in the kitchen. Where else would you store it? Exactly where it should be. Exactly where it should be. I keep my box cutters in the bedroom and my Taves curve in the kitchen. I just now am picturing you making pancakes and flipping them with the Taves curve. No, he's using the Taves curve for the whole process. He's stirring it with the Taves curve. (laughs) He's like ladling it out with the Taves curve. (laughs) Hey, the Taves curve got me two goals last night in rec league, so I'm happy. (laughs) 
<laughs> it also got me a little something else, if you know what I mean. Uh, food. Got me food. <laughs> That's why it's in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, it's in the kitchen. I'm a little disturbed that you have box cutters in your, your bedroom. We might have to have a conversation about that. Um, well, I used to work for a grocery store, and I would leave this in my back pocket in my jeans, and so I would take off my jeans, and then box cutter would fall out of my jeans in my bedroom, so i just put it on my desk. Okay, that's, you know what? I'm not even going to go anywhere else with that. There we go. Perfectly fine solution. I'm surprised they didn't have you turn in your box cutter. Uh, they, I bought this myself. They didn't give us one. <gasps> so yeah. They didn't provide a box cutter? Like I said, I was a great company to work for. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Okay, moving on. What was I going to say? Let's see, we've hit on... Talk the... about BPMs. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. You know, I, I was going to save this for a little bit later, but we could we could talk about this right now. We had a couple of our listeners start the Hags Let's Talk hashtag <laughs> <laughs> in a brilliant Twitter exchange that left me basically speechless. I just responded with gifts because um, I had to. But basically, <laughs> Mark Steinman said, I hope Tuca lights a cigarette after he fucks Hags <laughs> with all of his haters' credibility come playoff time. Hashtag Hags Let's Talk. <laughs> And then Jaya Ballard chimed in with, Tuka seems really just the type to do that too. Reporter, you've done so well this year, despite the media predicting your demise. What do you have to say now? Rask, bedroom eyes. <laughs> then there's a couple of gifts in there. Lots of gifts. And <laughs> just, it was great. I love having fans like talking to each other about these things. It, we only can support each other through these things, I, I swear. Anyway, uh... Yeah, there was one last thing that I wanted to say about that. Yeah. Oh, and Mark Steinman uh, followed up that that whole um, Tuca thing with, I think that's just the way all Finns look at reporters. <laughs> <laughs> and he capped it off with the most brilliant one. I feel like Hags has a mothball-infested Raycroft jersey at the edge of his closet space. Oh, I love that so much. That is like that. It I if 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 we had a tweet of the week thing, that would be the tweet of the week. Because <laughs> it was brilliant. It it hits it hits the the uh, thing. It makes it it makes us understand why he hates Tuca so much. Either that, or he still holds a candle for Tim Thomas. I mean, those are the only two things that I could think of. I mean, my gosh, I could picture Hags being a Tim Thomas guy. And being like, Tuca doesn't make the saves, Tim Thomas does, so he's not as good. That's another good point. I never really thought about that, Tim. And we talked about that at length last week, too, about the gunslinger approach of Tim Thomas. Okay, to, I'll just lay it out for Nick really quick. Yeah. We were, I compared it to football, um, because that's what I do. And uh, I compared Tim Thomas to Brett Favre. Oh. And... Um, and Tuca to Aaron Rodgers. So they're very different styles. I thought you were going to maybe compare Tim Thomas to Montana and then Tuca to Steve Young. No way. No, no, no way. No, you've got it flipped. Yeah. Yeah, Steve Young was m way more of a gunslinger. gunslinger than Montana was. Uh, Montana took time to read the defense, was very um, hmm. technically sound. Methodical. Methodical. Yeah. 
you're right about the playing styles, but also the way I kind of view it as like a, as a storyline. Oh, and you would think I would go back that far because yeah. of my love for Joe Montana. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Very good. That's good to pick that up. Um, but no, I would not say that because Nick's been in my house and he's seen the Joe Montana yeah. signed jersey, which yeah. I got for Christmas one year. Um, so anyway, it's, that is a fair assessment. Mm. I give you points for that, um, for coming up with that. But I thought that Brett Favre was like a better comparison. Yeah, rugged. Got that good five o'clock shadow going on as well. Yeah, you know, know, Tim Thomas with the beer. And it's really – and with Thomas as with Brett Favre, a lot of times it was all or nothing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah, So it's like, you know, uh, Brett Favre was a really great comparison because he owns the record for most interceptions. But Mm. he also had the most touchdowns at one point. Right. So, like, it's kind of like in baseball <laughs> with um, Cy Young. They have the award named after him. He has the most career wins in all of baseball, 511 or something like that. But he also has the most career losses. It's, this, it's the same idea. Yeah, it's a gambling kind of thing, basically. So, anyway, so, yeah, I could see that he probably really enjoyed Tim Thomas. Tim Thomas plays an exciting style, but you've got to be willing to lose games on that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Whereas, like, Tuca is Finnish. He comes from the European leagues, basically, right? And and they play a different, more technical style. And, yeah, and a lot of people don't appreciate that. People, especially coming, especially where Tuca basically filled Tim Thomas's skates. Because they were right, out, right after another. The two differences are very noticeable. And people just see that technical style as being less good but in fact because he's in position more and because he's um able to read kind of where the offense is going more he's able he doesn't need to make those sprawling saves because he's already there right right you know what i gotta tell you if you actually watch pekka rene and tuka rask pekka rene wait uh his style is he's a lot more aggressive out in front of the net. Mm-hmm. Like where Tuca will kind of recede a little bit more and cut and split the difference or be more in net. Rene is out more. And that drives me freaking nuts. Cause I yeah, saw cause... it live and I was just like, ah, well, Rene think... is a lot taller. You think he wouldn't need to come out as much. He's not a lot taller. He's a couple of inches taller, but oh, he's got three inches on him. Yeah. But okay, that isn't huge. You're right. But I mean, Breck, Pecorino is huge. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I mean, with the skates on and everything, he's like 6'8". Mm-hmm. Um, but, he, and he's got more, he's got a lot of reach. But he just plays out in that crease a lot more. But, you know, because of that, things can get right by him. You know? Mm-hmm. So it's like... Well, I think one thing with Tuca, too, though, is he kind of sits back and lets the play develop and watch where everything's going to the last possible second. But he's also able to react very quickly to it. Right. Um, which I think I think that's probably why he's able to do that better than Rene is Rene doesn't have the quickness or the uh, the ability to kind of read it at read it and wait for the last possible second. It's kind of like uh, it's almost like Tuca is uh, likes to go the other way, as they say when you're a batter in baseball, let the ball get to the latest possible moment before you swing and just hit it to the opposite field. It's kind of like what Tuca does most of the time. But, you know, the thing that I really don't get is this. Can you hate his style and not hate him as a player? 
I mean, seriously, because it's counterproductive as a fan to sit there and say, I hate his playing style, therefore I hate him. You're basically saying, I want my goaltender to fail. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's a fair point. I think you can dislike the style of play, but like the player himself. Just because, I mean, he's successful in what he does. Even though you hate the style, he's successful in the style. I mean, he's very successful. He's a top... 5'10 goalie every year. I mean, teams would kill to have that. Yeah, yeah. So, I just, I don't know. I don't want to keep going round and round and round on this, like, Tuca hate thing, but I just feel like it's going to be a subject that's going to keep coming up, and I feel like in some way we have to kind of talk about it, dispel it, counteract it. Uh, It's very frustrating to me. I don't want to keep talking about Tuca, uh, other than, like, Tuca's fine, Tuca has bad games. Everybody has bad games. Uh, but you know what? Tuca didn't look as bad as Carey Price last night or on Ooh. Wednesday. Yeah. Especially the the first pasta goal. Um, Price looked really bad. And also um, that crew goal, he looked awful as well. Um, just kind of two. I, I think those are two shots he'd really like to have back because he just, he didn't, he didn't look. He almost didn't look comfortable with both shots. Yeah. Well, he doesn't look comfortable because that's a sinking ship. That's 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 true too. <laughs> it, I, I I saw something uh, last night during the game when there, it was like it was either around it was I think it was after the Bruins' third goal, and it was it's almost the quote was it's almost like an elite goaltender still needs a good defense in front of him to succeed, which is true. The goalie can't do everything. <laughs> Yes! A million times yes! Why do you have fucking defense if you don't expect them to actually defend? Ah! Like like that, the argument with Tuca that, oh, he needs a good defense in front of him to play well. Well, everyone does. Like, like, that's that's true for every single goalie. What team has made it to the cup final? Sorry, Nick. I'll, I'll get right back to you. What cup? What team has made it to the cup final with shitty defense? And here, I just want to say something. Defensemen, that 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 title has hmm? defense yeah. in it. Duh. <laughs> okay, Nick, go ahead. Tuka, um, I've. Uh... I have a love-hate relationship with Tuca. I think I've been the most love... I think I've been the most uh, disrespectful or most anti-Tuca uh, podcaster among us. Even though I, I, I'm still a fan. I got a Tuca jersey. I, I, I like him. I like him as a person, too. I heard he's very funny. Um, but So I, it's been a mission of mine this season to try to figure out what does Tuca do well, what doesn't he do well. And I can tell you what he does well. Extremely well. One of the, the best in the league. And that is... Uh, find the puck through traffic. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of goalies, you take away their eyes through traffic, they're going to let it in. Um, Tuca's positioning is so good, he'll still stop it. Mm-hmm. A bit of a hyperbole, but you get it. The thing where he struggles, and I think this goes back to his style because he plays back a little bit, if you get him one-on-one, oh, yeah. that's he's, he's not, uh, not as elite as maybe these other goaltenders. I think that's maybe why in shootouts, Mm-hmm. He's not that fantastic. If you look at his shootout uh, save percentage, it's not it's not elite, but that's a, that's okay because against the Habs uh, eight days ago, 
he only allowed one goal and stopped the uh, other three shooters like a boss. And it made me really happy. So uh, that's maybe why defense is important to not let up breakaways. Go figure. Breakaways aren't good. But um, you know what? If you're going to be a goaltender and your specialty is the breakaway, how often does that actually happen? <laughs> not often. Not often. So, I mean, it's frustrating. Mm-hmm. But I'm not frustrated by Tuca in that instance so much as I'm frustrated by the team letting him down. Right. Because that's the thing that we uh, that people forget most of the time is that because we focus on individual players. It's a team sport. Absolutely. There is never, unless it's a shootout, you're never alone on that ice having to defend that goal. Okay? Mm-hmm. So it's and if, like, you're, if you're giving up that breakaway, it's team failure, not... Yeah. Five people let you down. Okay? Mm-hmm. Now, it's up to you to be the last line of defense. And some some of them, it's kind of like, why did you move that way? I understand that. Be frustrated mm-hmm. by that. But don't say, oh my god, Tuka's such a shitty player. He's such a sh- shitty goalie. No. No, nobody's perfect all the time, and he does let in some shitty goals from time to time, and the breakaway and shootouts are two areas where he's not super strong, but they are also a very small part of the game, mm-hmm. okay? Um, if, you're, if you're built for the shootout, as I've said, uh, you know, if you're... But you're you're concentrating on the wrong part of the game. <laughs> Especially when it comes to playoff time. You're not built for the playoffs if you're built for the shootout. Right, right. Now, I just want to get back to Carey Price for a minute because we have to have our Havenforda or Havenforda or whatever. I always say Havenforda, but it should be Havenforda. Um, starting next season, they're going to be paying him $10.5 million a year for the foreseeable future. Yeah, isn't that like 10 years? 8, 10 years? Yeah, Cap Friendly is only showing me through 2022 and As they would say in the Sandlot, forever. Forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, actually, I just clicked on the right thing here. So let's I mean, see. people, Bruins fans complain about Tuca making $7 million. Can you imagine if the Bruins were paying Carey Price ten and a half, and they were getting the same statistical... Uh, the same stats out of both players. Holy crap. They're playing him 10.5 through 25-26. And oh, I'm not really? saying that, that Carey Price is the problem, because that whole team has w- lots of problems. But I'm just saying that he looked that shitty this week against the Bruins for two games. Uh Honestly, it looked like he uh, he allowed some soft goals uh, Saturday night against uh, the Bruins. I say Saturday night because I don't know when our listeners are listening to this. <gasps> um, so, but he actually he, that was he was better Saturday night than he was Wednesday. Oh, Wednesday was that's, awful. Yeah, that's true. And then, uh, of course, the two Saturdays ago, well, could be longer if. The podcasters listen to this in a year. Uh, but uh, the, the first game, mm-hmm. I actually thought he was solid. That was a great game. The first uh, Bruins have won. Was it great. was. It was. And I was actually going to ask you, which one do you think was more emotionally charged? Last Saturday's game? So that would be, I don't know what the date was. Uh, the first, the very first game between the two teams this season, which was... For us, it was eight days ago. Yeah. Um, was it that game or was it Wednesday's game? 
I was actually going to say the last Saturday, the four. Yeah, Wednesday's game was. I I was watching it and kind of bored. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, it's. Uh, I think it was more emotional for Claude to probably be back. Yeah. But I think that first win last, uh, you know, last Saturday night yeah. was the really. Um, it was the more emotionally charged one because the way they came out on the ice after Brad's shootout win just seemed to me like they they were like, yeah, we did this. They don't usually yeah. come out on the ice like that, right? You know. Yeah, I, I would I would agree, and I think th- the thing that added to that is it being in Montreal um, added to that because it was a big shootout win. Uh, Brad walks off in Montreal, and I think that's what made it the most kind of that made it so emotionally charged. And not only that, you you came you came to Claude Claude's house, and you just took it to him. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, I think they got the monkey off their back. And I think they also virtually statistically annihilated the uh, the Habs from playoff contention last night. Uh, it, nothing's official, obviously, but uh, basically they just put the final nail in the coffin. It it almost seems like that that shootout uh, victory for the Bruins against the Habs was om- was pretty like demoralizing for Montreal. Yeah, um, because they couldn't of- put it together on Wednesday at all. Mm-hmm. And then they come out real hot um, yesterday, last night, and uh, they score the first goal. You know, it's exciting for them. They're in Montreal again. So, you know, it's something you would th- you would expect kind of in previous years. Uh, previous Montreal teams would kind of use that and build upon that and, you know, get the, probably get the next goal, maybe even the next two goals. But the Bruins kind of – Carey Price gave up that terrible goal to Pasta, and he gives up the second goal pretty quickly after uh, to Tori, and it was just downhill from there. I can't remember as a fan in the last, like, three or four seasons watching a tilt between the two teams and having the Habs score first and thinking that the Bruins were ever going to come back. Because not that our teams were beyond shitty and, like, the worst things ever. It's just they didn't have it. And, you know, I think part of uh, a lot of that has to do with just uh, being re-energized by Cassidy. Mm-hmm. I think Claude's playing a dying game and we're going to see that more and more. It, we'll see if the, if the new GM or Bergevin or whoever it's going to be in Montreal can actually build a team that, that he can work with. Something else that's kind of good with the Bruins, too, that during this whole last 15 games, I saw this stat that's pretty uh, remarkable as well. So... In terms of time on ice, how, uh, how much of the time they're leading, how much they're trailing, and how much they're tied. Oh, 44% of the time they're leading, 44% of the time they're tied, and only 12% of the time they're trailing. They're not digging themselves that hole and trailing in games. Mm-hmm. Only 12% of the time in the last 15 games. That's incredible. They're not shooting themselves in the foot, and they're kind of taking it to the other teams more often than not, which is really important. It's almost as if they're being encouraged to go score as opposed to not allowing a score to happen. Right. I think that's really the two styles right there. Cassidy's like, go out there on the ice and have some fun, boys, and go score all the goals. And Claude was always like, don't allow a goal to be scored, boys. Well, it's this, uh, well, kind of like in um, in football. Um, if you are controlling the play offensively, you can't get scored on. You don't, you play to win. You don't play not to lose. Right. Right. 
There's a huge difference. And I think that's the big difference between Cassidy and Clout. Which is why Marty Schottenheimer never made it past the AFC Championship game. Because his teams would go up early. They'd go up and, and have a, a, a sizable lead. And then somewhere in the early part of the third quarter, he'd think, you know what? Let's just run the ball. Not trying to score or anything. Let's just run the ball. You run the ball in the middle of the fourth quarter when you have the, the win. You don't do it in the third quarter. Okay? That That's that's just to complete your analogy there about, like, you know, winning the game. Um, so, yeah, I... I, I... I know a lot about football and I'm a nerd about it. So I know that's and- why Lovey Smith doesn't have a Super Bowl victory too. Mm-hmm. I, I I had to endure two years of that in Tampa Bay and it was just awful. Look, I'm happy. I'm happy about this. You know. You know another thing I'm happy about. What's that? I don't have anything to complain about Ryan Spooner right now. I mean, yeah, guys. I uh, I. I actually did a little bit of research on why he might be playing so well. Ooh, do tell. It's um, it's beyond his dogs, seeing his dogs every once in a while? It's actually solely his dogs. Really? He's happy. <laughs> yes. Um, um, <laughs> so I think we can all agree that Spooner has always been very, very good on the power play. But we said he wasn't a good winger. However... On the power play, he played his off wing. He always has. Now, go figure, he wasn't working out as a left wing under uh, Julian. Uh, Cassidy has the genius idea, oh, he's doing well on his off wing in the power play. Let's make him play his off wing on the in the uh, full strength. Holy shit, it's working. Yep. yep. I mean, I, I think that Jeff mentioned that last week, but, you know. Oh, F. Um, Damn it. <laughs> Jeff doesn't exist. It never happened. I felt so good for figuring this one out. <laughs> no, but you know what? The fact that you figured it out, I think is great. Yeah. No, but you're absolutely right. You know? So what does it matter if you came to that conclusion on your own and you're telling us? Who cares? Yay, you came up with it. Yeah. And, and uh, I'd probably, probably give him some credit. He's probably, uh... I, I think he's just, you know, taking a, a better opportunity this time around. I do think he's trying harder. I th- I think part of it's Cassidy, too. He was yep. successful with Cassidy in Providence. And it makes me wonder, and this is a name that we don't we haven't heard in a while, if Coco came back, would he be successful with Cassidy in Boston? Because it didn't work with Julian. It didn't at all. What, is that something that it takes the right coach to put the player in the right position to succeed. I think it's absolutely correct, you know? Um, and I, I didn't realize that Cassidy was down in Providence for as long as he was. So he's got a bunch of players yeah. on that team right now that have played under him. So it, it's amazing. I I do think, I think it's, it's column A and column B. I think there's just, there's a lot of like intangibles in there too. But you know what I really like is that I'm seeing Spooner do some things away from the puck mm-hmm. that we didn't see him doing before. And maybe it's because he's not playing a center position and maybe he's just not really a good NHL center, but he could be a better winger, mm-hmm. you know, on his offside, which yes. seems to be working. Uh, maybe that's what it is. Maybe Cassidy just <laughs> figured it out. Also, with the way he's playing now, 
with the, the way when he wasn't successful last year with uh, Julian, it seemed like he was thinking too much about his play, and like rather rather than just going out there and playing. And now this year, it kind of seems like he's just playing the game and not thinking too much about it. And I think that's really important. You can't clog your mind up with tr- with different things. You kind of just have to go out there and play and react to the play. And it seems like he's doing that a lot better this year. Yeah, I think um, I, I think that when you don't have to think about it too much, I mean, he, he's struggled to get on the ice at times, you know, with that, with his uh, adductor injury. I think uh, freeing up his mind a little bit, knowing he has a position, he's not fighting for something and that, you know, he just needs to go out there and just do what feels natural. I think that, that frees him up a lot more. I think Cassidy's a good, good choice for a lot of people. I feel like the veterans are really responding to him as well. You know, it's amazing. I honestly wasn't sure about having him. Like, I thought he did really well in the interim last year, and I actually wasn't sure how it would work out. But it seems like he's really taking that second chance of being an NHL head coach and really running with it and doing really well. Um, he's, 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 a, he's learned and he's adapted. That's it. I think he needed time down in the minors working with the young guys to, to kind of figure it all out again. I was very angry. We all know I was very angry when Claude got fired. And then I wasn't very super accepting of, of Cassidy at first, but then I saw the end results. And then when he got hired permanently, I was like, oh, good. You know, he seemed, I listened to a bunch of radio interviews. He seemed really happy and it was his childhood uh, team growing up and it's kind of like a dream come true. And I just felt like, you know what? I feel good about this. So, yeah. Um, going back to Ryan Spooner, uh, let me give you some more ammunition to like the guy. Because we often say this as a joke. His charity work is fantastic. He actually has a uh, charity event coming up on January 27th, which is uh, raising money for Athletes for Animals. Oh, where is this? This is happening. Let's see. Where is it? It's in Boston somewhere. Okay. <laughs> you think they would actually put the event uh, down? It's it's on his Instagram. It's his, it's his latest post if you want to read about it. Oh, it says... Uh, uh, why is it on Instagram? Instagram you is... Need, you need to get down on the gram. I, I have an Instagram account, but I find it to be unwieldy to use. It's not a, a, it's not a great interface, you know? Sorry. Boston, is uh, Boston Area Nights 50. a look, look, uh, thing? It's at Causeway Restaurant and Bar. There you go. Here we go. So Causeway Restaurant and Bar, it's on the 27th, starts at 9.30 p.m., ends um at 2 a.m. on Sunday. Tickets are anywhere from 5 to $10. He is hosting and DJing! Yeah, he is. I should go to this thing. Music by Area 51. Eventbrite, you can buy the tickets. Oh, I think I want to go. Ah, there you go. They're raffling off jerseys, sticks, and other memorabilia. It's a 21-plus event. Sorry, younger listeners. Oh, that is so sweet, um, because that's uh, David Backus's cha- charity. Um, and oh. they raise awareness for animal rescues and shelters and adoption of animals, as I look down at my little Vegas. All right, anyway. Okay, so, yep, Spooner's got a charity event coming up next Saturday, and he's DJing at it, too. 
So I, I, I really feel like I have to go. So we'll find out if I'm going. But anyway, he's DJing it and he's holding it at Causeway something. Rest- yeah, Causeway Restaurant and Bar, 65 Causeway Street. Oh, oh, okay. I think I know where that is. Wow, that might get packed. Okay, cool. And, okay, any, uh, anything else on on Spooner? He he's got eight points in ten games. Yeah, that is- second line is fairly new too. I can uh, only see that line getting better. Well, the thing is about that second line, it's like Krejci's been out, and then Spooner's been out, and then Krejci's been back, and then Spooner's been out, and then Krejci's out, and Spooner's back. (laughs) Yeah. I do want to mention something about that second line, too, uh, that Jeff brought up earlier in the week, since he's not here. Let's see if I can find it. It basically had to do with how that second line and how well uh, Krejci's playing, and it was basically, it's almost as if putting two skilled players uh, with Krejci would kind of have him take off rather than adding just a couple slabs of beef on either side of his wings. (laughs) 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 It it just makes makes sense. The the Bruins really tried hard uh, to replicate that line when he had Horton and Lucic on either side of him. And they really were unsuccessful because they really were tr- basically putting two big guys on either side of them that weren't also skillful. I mean, at the time, um, as we came up with the term, they had Horton and Lucic were talented beef. Um, <laughs> well seasoned. And, and then uh, I said Lucic Horton left for a different market, and Lucic turned into uh, airplane steak. So, I mean, that kind of made that line go away. But his exact quote was, what if we had it all wrong and Krejci needed fast wingers rather than a couple of sides of beef on skates? <laughs> so, I mean, it, it, it definitely definitely is a good point um, with how well uh, DK's been playing uh, this year. Even though he's been hurt a little bit, he, he's played really well. And that yeah. second line's playing well. This is the s- smallest set of wingers he's ever had. Yeah, and you know what? That's okay. Mm-hmm. David Krejci okay. is not the person that I think needs like two slabs of beef on either side of him. Mm-hmm. He's not that delicate. Like I, whenever I talk about something like that, I, I always think of like Krug. I like Krug with some guy with size on on his other pair. Because, like Carlo. Well, Carlo has the size, but he doesn't have the fist fighting. True. Um, I guess I, I want a side of beef that will punch back. <laughs> <laughs> On a pair with Krug, um, just because he is well diminutive, I don't think he can stick up for himself as much as like Brad can. Brad gets into Kevin like Miller. Well, I don't think that's a great pair, but I'm not saying anything bad about Miller, uh, and I don't think Miller fights that much anymore, and that's fine because he could kill someone. I don't want him to do that. He could yeah. literally. Man's insane. Yeah, who knew? You needed some people who could actually. Oh, I don't know. Shoot the puck and get down the ice so they can shoot the, the puck. puck. Ready? Let's and try it again. Shoot the, the puck. And it's it's hard to argue with the success. I mean, the all four lines are rolling right now. And uh, that's really nice to see. We really haven't had four lines rolling really well, really since the cup run, like this well. Nope. True. And it seems like, you know, one line, like that top line always has like fantastic weeks. They may not be 
fantastic every game. They they're doing stuff. They're doing the right stuff, but they they might not get it in the net all the time. But when they're not doing it, somebody else is doing it. So it's like so it's it's really fantastic. And oh oh, did you see this week where somebody was arguing with the Don Sweeney, who is not the real Don Sweeney, by the way. It's a parody account. But anyway. Did you see somebody arguing with him this week about Riley Nash? Like, ah, Riley yeah. Nash isn't that good. You got to get rid of him, you know, or, uh, you know, after the season, he's good as gone. And it's like, no, actually, what Riley Nash needed was the right combination of players right next to him. Mm-hmm. Imagine that. Imagine centers needing the right people. And I, th- I think something else with this team, too, like you said, with... The lines, the, the the first line's always playing really well, and the other lines can pick up the slack. This is a really well-balanced scoring team. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bruins have, I think it's one, two, three, like 10 to, it looks like around 15 people with double-digit points. Mm-hmm. And then you have um, Achari with seven, uh, Crowley with eight, and Kevin Miller with nine. So you have a lot of, most of your lineup is in double digits and points. That's fantastic to see that well-balanced scoring because you're not you're not just focusing on you're not dependent on one specific line scoring. Anyone can do it, and anyone is doing it any given night. Yeah, I mean, getting back to that third line, each person on that line, each player on that line has a purpose. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's like uh, Heinen is the guy with the speed, and he he can go from end to end and probably shoot the puck. Backus is going to get down dirty. That's his thing, and his his he's going to screen and he's going to do these things, and he's going to get that dirty goal. He's not he's not the guy that you're looking for for speed, but he's kind of the power forward on that line. And then you got Riley Nash, who's dishing it up and. You know, the only fault that I could say the other night was, as Glenn and I were watching, he was like, Nash should have just shot the puck there. He shouldn't have passed it. But these are the things that you learn in game. And there was yeah. nothing wrong with that. It just didn't result in a goal. Who cares? And, he's, and Nash is a really like the two-way guy on that line because he, right. he's actually oh, he's actually not bad defensively. Right. Oh, he's, he's fantastic defensively. And, he's, he's, uh, and he can win face-offs. The way I view Nash... Um, is and I, I've been a Nash fan because he was in Carolina for a long time. So he you use him to win the faceoffs, and then it's his job more or less is just to give the puck to Backus and Heinen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then Nashville is also a deceptively good shootout uh, shooter. Yeah. But the guy, uh, like, oh, like for a third line center. Yeah. What more could you ask for? Right. And and the the other misconception with that argument that was going on with that person and the Don Sweeney is that if you're expecting the third line to be scoring all the time, if you if you expect them to be a major point producer, like on order of like the first and second line, you're looking at it wrong. You you don't know what you're talking about because that's mm-hmm. not how it works. You know, the third line's a checking line, and when they score, it's awesome. You know, when the fourth line scores, it's like amazing. I love it. But, you know, I don't expect the fourth line to score all the time. And the third line, if they had a little more production, that would be great. But if they don't, they're fine. I I don't have too much to complain about. I did joke with Jeff last week. I'm like, why aren't you complaining? (laughs) (laughs) Not that because it's like he's, he's a source of complaints. That's not it at all. It was just more like, you know... There's really nothing to complain about. That was the joke. Right? This team, 
It's amazing. I didn't think that we could have something so nice. And also with uh, Dobby, it's amazing the difference a year makes from last year to this year. Mm. Having a backup goaltender that you can re- rely upon is something that's huge as well. And I mean, when everyone was injured, they were really relying on Dobby the whole time. Yep, yep. Because Tuca, Tuca wasn't right after that concussion. Mm. Wasn't no, and that's and that takes as we stated around that time. It takes time for that stuff to kind of heal and for a player to get right. It can take a long time. So, yeah, I, I really every part of this team is awesome right now. It is. It's amazing. I love it. Just amazing. Absolutely amazing. And you know, I just want to get back to Spooner for a minute because Spooner did have such a tough time with Claude. I think it was fitting that he had the game winner on. Uh, Wednesday night. Yes. Because, you know, that second goal, that was that was the game winner. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had it. Good goal and assist that night. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think, yeah. Yep. Amazing. Yeah, it's... Uh, it was definitely fitting. And it's, it's nice to see Spooner uh, be successful because he had a lot of promise coming up in Providence. And he, he had one pretty okay year uh, with... Uh, Julien as well, and then he kind of fell off um, when they moved him away from center. But yeah, I'm I'm happy that he's uh, succeeding right now, and it's nice that you're not. It's nice to have a lineup where you're not begging to take someone out of it right now. You're like, oh, why are you playing this guy? We don't have that right now because everyone is playing well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've had that so much in the past. You know, we're not really sure what's going to happen to Frank Vetrano and what could happen to him and whatever, but I'm not going to worry about him. Um, if Frank Vertrano evolved somehow, his name would be Jake DeBrusque. Yep. We don't have enough Vetrano candies. <laughs> nope. <laughs> to evolve nope. him. <laughs> need, need more rare candies. We need to we need to walk him. <laughs> we need to make him our buddy. <laughs> we need to make Vetrano our buddy. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Frank Vetrano is a Pokemon. Uh, you might as well be. Vetrano. A wild Vetrano has appeared. <laughs> That's what it, yeah, seeing him in game is basically like that. <laughs> true. Has, has appeared. Uh but anyway, I, I owe, uh, I believe, uh, Russ a little song because I named the second line the Irish lullaby song. Uh, oh, Irish that's lullaby right. <laughs> line. All right. Well, so, you, you, you know what? Let's get into that in a minute. I just do okay. did want to remind you that we uh, we uh, named much to Tim's dislike. We named the fourth line the skull line. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's. I feel like they, they just they just hop out on the ice and they just kind of skank da, around, da, 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 da. skank down the da, ice, da, da, and they're like, da, 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 da. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you hear horns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I thought it was perfect because it was just like I just took the first letters of each of the names, yeah. left to right. I mean, hey, I used to call it a Charlie Teenage Riot, so you know, uh, another band. Uh, yeah, but we need it. the fourth line as a musical role. In this, so, in this team. They keep the tempo. Yeah. You know? Okay, so anyway. Yes. 
Why don't we get into the viewer comments things? I already mentioned all of the Mark Steinman, Jaya Ballard. I hope they keep up this uh, this Twitter friendship going <laughs> with us and with each other. I thought it was great. I, I loved it. I, I want to see that. But we've already mentioned that. So you owe Russ Hallowell a song. Yes. For listeners who have no clue what I'm talking about, this was on our Facebook page discussing the names uh, the nicknames for all our lines. And we didn't really have one for the second line, if I remember correctly. Or uh, or if we did, we are like, eh, I got, a, I, got, I got a better one. So as I mentioned earlier, Spooner's playing as off-wing. So the line is a left, right, left in terms of shooter. L, R, L. And if you were to kind of sound that out, it would be, which kind of sounds like Laurel. Which then reminds me of an old Irish tune uh, originally written and composed in 1913 by James Joyce Shannon in Tin Pan Alley. Tura, uh, yeah, Tura Lura Lural, which was then covered and renamed by the band and Van Morrison at the Last Waltz in 1976 as Tura Lura Lurali, an old Irish love song. So... And then I can't hit anything else after that because Van Morrison starts singing and he just goes lullaby like that. So the second line in short is the Irish lullaby love song line. And you should check it out on YouTube because they do it much better than I. Okay. All right. I'm a huge fan of the band. So that's the way my brain works. That's okay. I mean, and Ben Morrison is hammered while seeing this. And you can tell because he's dancing about the stage wearing a purple sequin uh, jumpsuit. Well, if you're not doing it that way, then you're doing it wrong. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. So let's see. Uh, Russ Hallowell was very active on our Facebook page. He basically, uh, he said, Tim, I'm not your favorite. Oh, Tim. Tim. No. <laughs> If you can't if you can't accept the ask line, then sorry. I'm not his favorite either, so it's fine. I'm the one who started this damn thing, so whatever. It's okay, Tim. <laughs> the ask line is it for me anyway. So and then he was like, uh, I I had written something that it was a Patrice trick when Patrice got his second. Oh my god, how did we not mention this? Oh he my got god, his yeah. second hat trick. It's because it's what we expect now. It's like it's de rigueur. <laughs> He's got his second hat trick in what six fourteen days, days or twelve days? Six, no. That's it. Yeah, it, it, the first one was against Carolina, yeah, and that was like right. the fourth or something. So it was like within twelve days. Yeah, you know, it's just what anybody does, right? So um, yeah, so Patrice got that, and um, and I I wrote that on the Twitter page. I went right over to the Facebook page, and 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 Russ was like, and to think he's not an all star. Then we had a conversation on what all star really means in this day and age, because uh. we can no longer vote because we voted in the John Scott thing. Not just we, like everybody. No one can right. vote anymore. We can vote for team captains. Yay. Ovechkin, whatever. Um, so it's like I and I don't care because none of them are guys I want to see there. So whatever. Yeah. Well, the All Star format, and this is the I think the case with um, all leagues. It's a bit of a joke because every team has to be represented. I'm it's sorry. Like, it's oh, like that on. for every sport, though. Oh, football. You don't need. Not every team has to be represented. 
way to go football. But to me, Montreal, Florida, and Buffalo, and there's probably a few other teams. I'm just thinking about um, the Floris division in particular. Those teams do not deserve to send anyone to an all-star game. Nope. And, and of course, what do you know? The thing's in Tampa, and they fucking load up the, the Floris division with Tampa players. So to me, it's... I get it. An all-star game is a spectacle. It's supposed to be fun. It's really anything. It's it's for the fans of that city. But please, I, I, I don't view it as a, as a huge dishonor when someone doesn't make it. Because it's politics. It's a spectacle. It's... It's a bad reality TV show. I honestly don't like the every team gets a uh, representative either. It's like it's like the every one gets a medal mentality. Mm-hmm. It's too much like that to me. And some teams get I don't know. It's like I love that Brad is getting the recognition. That's great. But they're like in a way, I would have liked to have seen Pasta get there. That would have been a great mm-hmm. fun time. And he was the one who was lamenting over Jake Voracek not getting it. Pasta's such and- a good kid. I know he's a good kid. Phil Kessel's not an all-star. Fifth yeah. in points. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's, it's just skewed <clears throat> and dumb. And Tuka deserves to be there over Price. Yep. But then, as Jeff said last week, then there would be no Habs there if it weren't for Price. So, uh, you know what? Whatever. I, I, what do you feel about the whole Kid Rock thing? I don't like him. So I'm just like, eh. Um, well, I mean... It has nothing to do with his politics. I just feel like he's just not a good performer. I don't like his songs. And basically, um, if you've ever seen the first episode of Silicon Valley, where uh, Kid Rock is playing to a bunch of no one being around him because nobody cares, he's such a has-been, that's how I feel about this. Um, I don't discredit some people's feelings about having Kid Rock as a bad thing because he stands for, for, uh, for some bad values. But I think a lot of people are hopping on that bandwagon just because they don't want to admit that Kid Rock is a shitty musician and they just feel bad that their sport is being represented by a really shitty, not cool guy. Like, he's just not... Yeah. They're having Fitz and the Tantrums play at some point. That's kind of fun, you know? But, you know, mostly I don't even care about it because I'm not going to be watching that. I didn't even know they had musical performers at the All-Star game. <laughs> no, I, I don't either. <laughs> because I don't watch that. I usually watch the skills competition uh, and uh, the year that Bergie... Actually, I haven't really sat and watched the 3-on-3 three three that much, which is a shame because I saw a little bit of Bergie playing it because that's his thing. That's his jam. Um, and I'm sure Brad's good at it too. I don't know how much of it I'm going to be watching. I don't... Whatever. It's not that exciting to me anymore. And if they're going to do that four-line challenge thing again... Ugh. Come on, dog hockey. That's where it's at. Jesus. Dog hockey? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That would be so much better. Have, instead of having the players have their dogs play. I know. Yeah. Like, get, I, I would watch get that. athletes for animals on this sh- stuff right now. Have your dog wear your jersey and get him out there and play. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, I would watch that. I would watch that. I would be glued to the TV. You could not get me to go anywhere else. I'm like, no, I gotta watch this. This is very important. It's dog hockey. It's like the puppy bowl. Oh my god, I'm so excited about the puppy bowl. <laughs> <laughs> my team could be in the Super Bowl and I'm a little more excited about the puppy bowl. Oh. Do they announce who the halftime performer is for the Super Bowl or they don't uh, do that yet? No, it's Justin Timberlake. Oh, I don't mind him. 
No, be, but nothing is going to beat that Lady Gaga performance from last year. That was spectacular. That was great. I have, greater. I have watched that two or three times on YouTube since because it was just that spectacular. I feel like it was kind of overshadowed because then you had this amazing comeback. I mean, really, when you kind of put it together, that was one amazing uh, piece of television. Yep, a four or five hour stretch of amazing yeah. television. <laughs> yeah. And, and they went to the, it was the first Super Bowl in overtime. It was just unbelievable. We're never going to beat that. And I thought the the one I went to two years before was like pretty spectacular. But, you know, the Kitty Perry performance was not that great. But that, that Lady Gaga one, that was amazing. And I don't think it can be beat. No, and it probably can't be. But, I mean, I like JT. I think it's, and uh, I think it's his first time back since the whole incident. So, uh Ooh. That's interesting too. Yep, yep. Well, he's he's promising no uh, boobies will be shown this time. So good. Oh, good that work. was. It's funny enough if the Patriots made it make it this year. That was during a Patriots Super Bowl as well. It's Carolina. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, I'm rooting today. I'm for, rooting for obviously the Patriots and the Vikings. That's what I would like to see. But same. Uh, because I think it's really kind of cool about the Vikings possibly being in their home venue. That would be so cool. I like that. Um, I know people don't like that, and screw them. <laughs> I agree. Did you see what they were doing in Philly earlier uh, this morning? They were uh, putting Crisco on all the light posts so fans after the game wouldn't climb them. Oh, my God. <laughs> like around the city this morning, they were just Criscoing up light posts. Oh, my God. That is <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I mean... I never thought that Crisco could be used in crowd control. Yeah, right? <laughs> We've been looking at it all wrong. Yeah. All right. Um, so uh, we are kind of taking a, a temporary hiatus on Bare Necessities, only because various people... It's just harder to come up with something when we're not talking about drinking. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and various of us are not drinking that much or whatever. And so we're just going to take a hiatus and think about that again. So we've talked about fans. Stop putting an on that. No, 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 no. We I, actually decided this uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, yeah I mean. I've been on the loop, like moving and schooling and working. Well, Jeff's, Jeff's not drinking on his own um, oh. now because he realized that it was uh, not a good thing. Um, okay. And I... My relationship with alcohol has drastically changed since I got back from Vegas. I don't know what it was, but it's like, uh, there used to be a time where I couldn't drink and then I wanted to drink everything. And then I kind of went a little nuts when I was uh, able to drink again. And then now I'm at the point where it's like, it's all around me. And I'm just like, yeah, it's like I might go out to a restaurant and have a drink or two, but it's not really a big thing. I got some beer for today. We'll see if I hit it. But, you know. And I really only, I've kind of died down on it a lot too. I kind of do every so often. I wasn't feeling, I was sick, so I wasn't feeling well. And uh, really just haven't kind of gotten back into it much. Every every so often I'll have a couple, but. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe we'll table it until like uh, playoffs time and then things will be a little bit different. We'll see. We're not doing that. So we'll just uh, wrap up the show. I'm going to have special guest uh, Nick tell people where we can be found we can be found on google play itunes and stitcher and wherever your favorite podcast can be found don't forget about soundcloud 
our home base is SoundCloud. That's where we host everything. It's a great place to listen to us as well. Streaming is quite a delight. For our social media presence, please hunt us out on Twitter and Facebook. As you now know, we reply, and uh, if you make us happy, we mention you in the podcast, and uh, that makes you famous. Hop on that stuff. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's my time to shut up right there. Uh, well, um, even if you don't make us happy, we'll, we'll respond, hopefully. Yeah. Yep, barely on topic. It's a pun. you got to misspell it and spell it like a bear. Uh, but if you're listening to this, you've probably already figured that one out. <laughs> and we're a Bruins podcast. Yes. <laughs> Did you know that? Not a flames. Yeah. Oh, God. We talked about the flames for like 11 or 12 minutes one time. <laughs> it was like two two weeks ago, was it? Yeah. <laughs> um. All right, Tim. Take us out. Word. <laughs> <laughs>